Pastor Kurt is preaching through 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are instructions. They're Paul's instructions. They are God's instructions through Paul to Timothy and to Titus for the church of the Lord. He's writing so that these brothers in particular know how to order the church of the Lord Jesus. And I thought it appropriate today, since we were going to have a hiatus this Sunday and next Sunday, this Sunday I thought it would be good to look at what the Apostle Matthew says about the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you have heard of Jim Collins. He wrote a book called Good to Great that I love and I often recommend to people. We also wrote another book, this book here, and I brought it so you could see those big red letters, (laughs) It's called Built to Last. And the point of this particular book, I'm not telling you to run out and buy it, but I just want you to see that Built to Last. The point of that book is building companies that endure, building companies that last for a long, long time. Well, we know that companies, businesses in this world, they don't last forever. They don't last forever, but there is one particular divine institution, one God-established institution that indeed will last throughout the ages of time. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, the church, the church of the Lord Jesus, of which Christ is the master builder, of which Christ is the master builder. Would you look with me at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. It's also listed in your bulletin. I titled this sermon, The Builder Calls. The Builder Calls. Hear now God's word. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Is And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of John. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. And we pray now, by your Holy Spirit, you would give us light to see, Lord, what you want us to see from your word. And in turn, that we would leave from here, transform people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have four observations that I want you to see in the text today. Just four, but they are important for 
And the first is this. The builder has instructions, lessons, blueprints in the form of questions. The builder has instructions, lessons, blueprints in the form of questions. We're going to look at verses 13 to 17. And here we see that there are two questions and there are two responses. Pretty simple, right? Two questions and two responses. Jesus is walking with his disciples. And I do think it's important here to make note that he's walking with them, that he's talking with them, that he's teaching with them. He's teaching to them. They see his life. He's investing his life in them. The word disciple, as I know you've heard lots of times, it means student, a follower. Jesus is talking to his followers, these 12 men that he has chosen, and he asks them two questions. First seems pretty simple. Who do people say that I am? Different way to say that. What's the word on me? on the street. What, what are the folks saying about me? I like that. Which lets me know, one, he is concerned with what people hear. And then he asks another question, getting deeper at what he really wants to communicate to these disciples. Hence, I called these lessons or instructions or blueprints He says, but who do you say that I am? Do you understand who I am? Do you really know what my identity is? What are you saying about me? There are two responses. Well, some of the people, they they basically see you only as a prophet, Jesus. Look at who they compare him to, John the Baptist, who had been killed. I guess they thought he had come back from the dead. Elijah, long dead. Jeremiah, long dead. Or one of the prophets. The general consensus is they just think you're one of the prophets. But Jesus presses in with the second question. And here we see Peter's response, which is vastly different from the first one. So much so that Jesus is jubilant in his response to Peter. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, this has been revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. You didn't get this information from some guy on the street. He says, flesh and blood didn't communicate this to you. You received it supernaturally from God in heaven. You know, the word there for reveal, uh, the root word there, is the same word for the last book of the Bible. Often people say the book of Revelations, but it's the, it's the Revelation is what it is. The book of the Revelation. And it means to uncover, to unveil, to uncover what is hidden, to shine light on that which once was in the dark. Peter's response, it indicates that he knows Jesus' identity now. 
He's been shown by God that Jesus, this man standing in front of him, is the Word. He is the second person in the Trinity. Become one of us for the greatest purpose the world in all of history has ever known. Believing in Jesus can only occur through the work of the Holy Spirit in your soul. Well, what are the instructions? And I'm just going to highlight this because I want you to see it played out across the four observations. Mainly the instructions are these. Talk to people about Jesus. It's pretty simple. Isn't it? <laughs> Talk to people about Jesus. Listen to what they say about him. Get people talking about Jesus. But there's more. There's more. Second observation I want you to see this morning is the builder has an agenda. And in case I'm, you're not tracking with me, I'm, I'm basically focusing on verse 18 where Jesus says, I will build my church. Jesus builds his church. The second observation is the builder has an agenda. And the first thing under that I want you to see is that Jesus builds his church. You see it right there in verse 18. Those words, Jesus builds his church. The church belongs to Jesus. It belongs to Jesus. The, the word church is a Latin word which um, follows the, the Greek word for Lord, which is kyriake. But anyway, it means the Lord's. That belongs to the Lord. Well, the word church, as many of you know, I taught a class downstairs the last uh, quarter on uh, the church. And I would ask this question every single week, and I'm going to see if someone will be brave enough to say this out loud in front of everybody. What is the church? Oh, that say it again. There you go. The church is the called out ones. That word church in the Greek comes from a word ekklesia, hence ecclesiological, meaning church issues. The church means the called out ones, those called out of the world to God for God's purposes. Ecclesia, the word for church, is the New Testament word for the Old Testament word kahal, which simply means the called out assembly. That's all it means, the called out assembly. The New Testament church, you all, is indeed the fulfillment of the Old Testament covenant assembly at Mount Sinai. God told Moses to call, call an assembly of the people at the foot of the mountain. Because God was going to give them his law, his word that was to govern their lives. Well, the New Testament word church is the fulfillment of that assembly. For through the New Testament, Jesus comes and his gospel goes to the ends of the earth. Jesus builds his church. How? He builds his church through his disciples. He builds his church through his disciples. And here, I'm going to take just a brief moment to ask this question. 
So we live in an area where there are a lot of people who worship and consider Peter as a very, very, very special person in the church. And I ask you this question based on what Jesus says to Peter here. Is Peter special? Is Peter special? Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Is Peter special? Is he of more importance than any of the other apostles? So much so that a successionary lineage has come from him, it's passed down to more and more and more vicars of Christ on the earth or one main representative of Christ on the earth? And the answer is no. The answer is no, he's not special, you all. Simon Peter is a disciple of Jesus, a student of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, just like the twelve. Jesus chose Simon Peter just as he chose the twelve. Peter is not special in a way that the other disciples are not. What Jesus is doing here is he's making a point. He's making a point. Jesus addresses Peter representatively of the 12 apostles. Now, we do know that Peter is often the first to speak or to act in the Gospels and Acts. Even when Christ, when they come to arrest Christ, the Pharisees, scribes, and chief priests, Peter takes out a sword and cuts off somebody's ear. He's always the first to act. Jesus picks up the man's ear and he heals him. Later in this very chapter, Jesus is going to call him Satan. (laughs) After he's made this great confession, he's going to say, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about the things of the Lord. We see Peter speak out of turn and Christ corrects him. And yet, in a way, Peter does stand out as as a leader among leaders. But I want you to keep that distinction in mind. He's a leader in the company of leaders. He is a disciple in the company of disciples. Peter is an apostle in the company of the apostles. But here, Jesus calls Simon Peter. I want you to hear that. Here, Jesus calls Simon. Simon, Peter. The word means stone. And it's a play on words here. He says, and you're Peter. You're a stone. And on this rock, I am going to build my church. In a sense, Jesus, Jesus is here giving Peter another name. A name that is important for the ministry, indeed, that he as well as the other apostles will have in their lifetime. I want you to hear these scriptures that, in essence, teach that Peter is equal, equally, what Jesus says to Peter is equally applicable to all the apostles. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 21, Paul writes this, So then you, talking to Gentiles, non-Jewish Christians, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, the holy ones, and members, for those who are not yet members, and members 
of the household of God. Built, and this is what I want you to hear, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Meaning, we're here today listening to the word primarily out of the gospel of the apostle Matthew. The church stands, you all, on the word of the apostles because they were chosen by God to build his church. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Peter writes this, as you come to him, to Jesus, you, excuse me, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like what? Like living stones. You are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And if that's not enough, I'll give you just one more. (laughs) The Apostle Paul, a man who persecuted the church and Jesus saved him. This is what the Lord said to Ananias about Saul, who later is called Paul. But the Lord said to him, Ananias, go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And why do I take time to point all of that out? Peter is not special in this passage, you all, more so than any of the other apostles. What Jesus wants to focus on here is he's going to use Peter just like he's going to use, just like he used all the other apostles. Jesus builds his church through his disciples. Jesus' disciples, they are the agents, the voices, the communicators of Jesus' identity. You know, that's why we practice evangelism. Did Did you know that? If you believe in Jesus... You are a follower of Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus in his word, who he is, the reality of who he is, your communion with him bubbles out of you, and you got to talk about it with somebody. That's what disciples do. Jesus builds his church through you if you are a true disciple of Christ. Jesus builds his church through his disciples, making more disciples. And I love discipleship. As long as I'm here, you are going to hear me talk about that over and over and over and over and over again. Discipleship is what we're about. How does he build his church? Through his disciples, doing what? Making disciples. Well, Terrence, where in the world do you get that from? I get that from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, or rather 18 through 20. John MacArthur, he comments, wherever Christ's people are committed to Christ's kingdom and Christ's righteousness, the Lord builds his church. You know, there are so many things in the world that the adversary uses to get us unfocused. Wherever Christ's people are committed to his kingdom and his righteousness, 
The Lord builds his church, and he does it through his disciples. This leads to the third observation I want you to see this morning. The builder's plan cannot fail. The builder's plan cannot fail. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the Word of God. The Apostle John says, and the Word became flesh, became one of us, and tabernacled among us. Jesus is God with us. Nothing can conquer Jesus, the builder. He says, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against the church. When catastrophe happens in the world, is that the first thing we think of? When terrible things happen in our family, is that the first thing we think of? When rulers of kingdoms (laughs) make horrible decisions, is that the first thing we think of? When issues arise in our church, people disagree, Is that the first thing that we think of? Jesus says the gates of hell will never prevail. They'll never overcome the church. Amen. That's my daddy used to say, amen, Brother Little. She will always prevail. Another commentator says this, or rather, excuse me, a commentator says this, no matter how liberal, fanatical, ritualistic, apathetic, or apostate. And what apostate means is people who have known the truth and turn away from it. It's, excuse me, no matter how liberal, fanatical, ritualistic, apathetic, or apostate its outward adherence may be, and no matter how decadent the rest of the world may become, Christ will build His church. Therefore, no matter how oppressive and hopeless their outward circumstances may appear from a human perspective, God's people belong to a cause that cannot fail. That's something you all, I've got to hear on a daily basis. There are all kinds of things that come against the church daily, from even within the church. And the Lord says, I'm going to build my church. Amen. Well, number four, and I shall soon be finished, you all. The builder calls. Fourth observation I want you to see is the builder calls. He calls his church out of darkness. I want you to remember Jesus' questions. What are people saying about me? What are you saying about me? Church of the Atonement, the Word of the Lord, asks you this very morning, what are people around you, people in your daily life, your family, your job, your church, your neighborhood. What are they saying about Jesus? Now, unspoken in what that question said is this assumption, that you're actually listening to what people are saying about Jesus. And the next question pushes that even further. As I said earlier, are you even talking about Jesus to the people in your sphere of influence? Are you talking to them? Are you telling them what the Bible says about Jesus? 
You know, the Bible teaches that Jesus calls men and women to come to him out of spiritual darkness, out of broken, seemingly meaningless lives, out of rebellion to God, our creator, out of lives that say, I don't really need anything right now. I don't need a savior. What in the world are you talking about? People who are happy and yet they're sitting in darkness. Jesus calls to them. Jesus gives people good news. He gives people the gospels, what it means, good news, good tidings. Jesus calls through the gospel. The call is through the gospel. Think for a moment. How are disciples made? And I hope you hear a repetition that's on purpose. How are disciples made? Jesus says, by baptizing them into the name of the Trinity, Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them, and teaching them, and if this could be a broken record that I could say a thousand times so that it was saturated into our souls, and, you repeat after me, teaching them all things, everything that I've commanded you, Disciples are made through the teaching of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. All that God has commanded in the Bible. Now, I've not told any stories this entire time, but I'm going to tell one now. When I think back over my life about I was forced to go to Sunday school. My daddy was a preacher. Both my mom and dad grew up in the church, grew up, both grew up dealing with some hard stuff in life. But they were taught. You need Jesus. And they taught us the same thing. All those years of going to Sunday school, all those years of going to vacation Bible school, all those years of sitting where all of you are sitting right now, listening to preachers preach the scriptures again and again and again and again until one day something happened. My parents used to say, now we can't get you into heaven. You must know the Lord for yourself. I was sitting And the preacher was preaching, and the Bible came to life. I will never forget that. I can never deny that that is a reality. The Bible that once made no sense came to life. I can remember sitting and hearing songs, and this is not about me. I just want you to hear this. (laughs) I I shared this with the class down uh, with the, the, the class in Rankin in the last quarter of Sunday school talking about the church. The church sang a song called When I See the Blood. And I remember as they were singing it, you know, I was, I was a teenager, I was, I was clueless. I'd become a believer, but as they were singing, this, is, this was the verse, the first verse. Christ, our Redeemer, died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due, All who receive him need never fear, for he will pass. He will pass over you. While they were singing, I just started to weep. Now, do you know why? All that Bible reading began to make sense. Priests sacrificing daily in the temple for the sins of the people. Jesus, second person in the Trinity, becoming one of us to offer his life 
as the one perfect sacrifice for your sins and my sins. I heard that in that song, and I knew it was true for me. Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When the Lord sees the blood of Jesus, the angel of his wrath passes over me. It passes over you. I wanted you to hear this morning that the builder is building his church and he's building his church through you because I want to know, do you know the gospel? Are you sharing that gospel with other people? Are you depending on it daily? Hallelujah, daily. You never get away from it, ever. The builder calls to those who do not know him. Listen to Jesus, the builder of his church, as he calls from Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Atonement, the builder, calls through you. Let's pray together. All wise God, our Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for how applicable it is for us. God, in a time when we get quite comfortable with just the way we do things, it is very refreshing to be reminded of who we are as your church and that we always stand in need of you. There's never a time when we won't need Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that Christ is constructing his church and I want to thank you that you have constructed this local church, not just the building, but the people, starting way back in the 1940s, allowing us to last even to this day. God, I pray that you would build your church here at Church of the Atonement. I pray that the people would know you, that they'd know Christ deeply, that we would invest in your word and we would share your word with others so that those who sit in darkness would see the great light of Christ. We thank you, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.